Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Frank Wagner, you are the co-founder of Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Center Coaching. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Catherine. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Frank. I have to ask, at a very high level, can you explain what is Stakeholder Center Coaching? Well, Stakeholder Center Coaching is a methodology that was developed over time by my good friend and colleague, Marshall Goldsmith. And he was working with very, very senior, successful leaders. And he, his goal was to help them become even more successful. I mean, he realized that there's just as important for them to improve as it is for anyone else in the organization. And he really was one of the pioneers in changing that coaching is not to fix people that are damaged. It's something that's valuable for everyone. And I mean, you can always use, just go, go to other avenues besides business and leadership and look at whether it's the arts you know, whether it's sports, I mean, all the best of the best have coaches. In fact, they can have multiple coaches. And so, you know, Marshall was looking at successful people. He was working with successful people and developing this methodology based upon actual tangible experience with them. And the mission is to help successful people get better and better for themselves, for their teams, for their organizations. And that's where it came from. That's very helpful. How long ago do you think this was started? Because I feel like now today we begin to hear people talk about coaching. It's more and more um, in common conversations throughout organizations, but it wasn't always that way. And did stakeholder center coaching just come about or does it have that experience that maybe a lot of people are unaware of? Well, I mean, there's a, it's a trend and, and in this case, a positive trend and Marshall was doing this work 
to, to actually coach successful leaders, very senior leaders. We're talking about CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, heir apparents. They're going to be taking over as the next CEO of companies. He was doing that from the 90s. And, and we started officially putting together this methodology to train coaches to coach like Marshall right around the year 2000. Now, we call it stakeholder-centered coaching. Now, it's interesting if you just look at a parallel in 2019, Business Roundtable uh, put out a new statement on the purpose of the corporation. And this is a dramatic change from the earlier statement about what was the purpose of a corporation. Before this time, it was a very simple, there is one thing a corporation was there to do, increase shareholder value. And, uh, you know, simple doesn't necessarily mean right. Well, there were a lot of leaders. We're talking about senior, senior leaders, just like Marshall working to help improve individual leadership to improve how corporations operate. And in 2019, they came out with a new statement. The purpose of the corporation is completely about stakeholders. It is not just it's not just the shareholder. It's the employees, it's customers, it's vendors. I mean, it's a whole cadre of stakeholders that, that the corporations are there to serve. And we do the same thing in, in stakeholder-centered coaching, is that stakeholder-centered coaching is not about a coach working behind closed doors with a leader. It's a coach helping a leader and facilitating a methodology where the leader is actually turning the people around them into both their coaches and their support group. I think it's important to kind of look at the the whole global picture because a lot of times when we work with leaders, you know, they think it's just their direct reports and it's so much bigger than just that because the recognition needs to be received by um, not just their their direct reports, but also their peers and, and gosh, peers play such a big, important role in, in everyone's career and growth. And then um, also, you know, your managers and, and the folks that are around you, vendors, I think is another great example. Those relationships that we build and, and how we treat other people is yet another reflection of what kind of leader we are. So um, I'm glad to hear that it's expanding and that um, that stakeholder center coaching really and stakeholder center focus is really something that is going to allow businesses just to continue to grow throughout, you know, everything that's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've got another question about, you know, you and, and Marshall, and then also Chris Coffey, you guys grew up in this leadership and training development field, and you were providing leadership training to these Fortune 100s, like you mentioned. And you noticed that um, that when you were looking back, that you're providing the first step, which is making an impact in the leader behavior. And learning is that important first step. But the second step is about transitioning um, what is has been learned into disciplined action. And I would love to hear from you. Can you talk about the importance of this implementation and the follow-up um, as we continue to grow leaders with this, with this methodology? Well, one thing where what our research has shown, and when I say our research, it really started again with Marshall, was that follow-up is the most important component. If you look at the whole system from when someone starts to learn something new, um, actually adopts it in their head, and then puts it into practice. That you know, training has almost no return on investment without 
implement, implementing what you learn and the way you implement to know you're successful is following up. How do you know you've been successful? Well, in, in our field, it's very simple. Leadership is, is a very simple concept. There's only one thing you need to be a leader and that's people that, that are following you. And the more people are following you, the more you spread your influence and leadership. Well, how do you know if you want to get better at, for instance, in today's world, and you'd mentioned it, Catherine, is much more a distributed uh, or situation in terms of many people are impacted and affect your own success. And so you have to get things from the eyes of the beholder. You know, the, the people around you are the best source of how you're doing on implementing anything new that you're learning and, and to potentially give you useful suggestions on what you still need to do in the future. So, you know, Marshall was the first person I ever heard in our field use the term feed forward. Right? Feed forward is, you know, layperson's term is suggestions. I, I don't walk down the street and hear people using the word feed forward. I can hear someone say, hey, could I give you a suggestion? Well, it's the same thing, yet it is a future focus. So when a leader is going to improve in something, and by the way, my experience back in the day when there was the big quality movement in the United States and everything had to improve, right? Continuous improvement. You know, it was all you know, the, the godfather, you know, the, the uh, uh, Edward Deming of quality. Everyone jumped on that bandwagon. And the thing I noticed, not a lot of these organizations succeeded in, in at least sustaining a quality improvement program. The reason being is that everything had to change. Every process was scrutinized. You know, we had to get better in everything except for one thing, the leaders. They didn't have to get any better. Well, you guess what? The places where the leaders said, guess what? We need to get better. Things work, worked out well. So that's why it's very important that everyone, we all need support, right? We all need help. And with changing all the changes go on in the world, we have to have that resilience and the ability to have a learner's mindset, be a lifelong learner, continually getting better. And stakeholder center coaching to me is really just about the best mechanism to make that alive and well. You know, over the past few days, this theme keeps keeps coming back about how if the leader is not willing to grow, the organization cannot continue to grow. And that's a theme that I keep seeing over and over again. And if if the leader's not willing to put themselves out there and be able to share what they're working on and what they're growing, you know, they're starting to shut down themselves and then they don't know it, but they're going to begin to shut down the organization around them. And I've worked with a lot of leaders since you trained me a number of years ago, which I'm grateful for our time together. Um, but what I'm finding is there are a couple of people that, that think this sounds wonderful and fantastic and they want to go all in. And then they hear they have to enroll stakeholders and it's like their, their feet hit the, the floor and they're putting the brakes on and they're like, no, 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 nobody needs to know about what I'm working on. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage and humility and discipline to be able to do this. And um, I would love for you just to kind of talk about it, because I don't think people fully understand what it takes to be a leader, um, to be able to put yourself out there and share what, what you want to work on, and not only put yourself out there, but that is how you get the results and the recognition. And it's okay to get recognition, because that's going to have, that's going to be how we're going to keep moving forward. So um, 
I'd love just to kind of hear your thoughts around sure. that. Well, you know, as you said it, Catherine, so well, one thing that's important, remember, why does someone want to follow someone? Well, there's got to be a reason. And if you look at human nature, most people admire things like courage. They admire things like humility. See, what they, what they, what a lot of leaders don't understand is, is humility a good thing or a bad thing? No, it's generally a good thing. I mean, I love the book that was written by Marilyn Gist. I think it's called the, the Power of Leader Humility. And, and I got to know that book from Alan Mulally, who has been recognized by many as possibly the best corporate leader in our lifetime. And Alan is a very humble guy. And it's, he doesn't see it as a weakness, it's a strength. Now, Marilyn defined humility differently than the way I was thinking before reading the book and talking to Alan about this. And she really changed a lot of my thinking about it is her definition of of humility is upholding the dignity of every other person you meet. So a a really humble person, that, that doesn't mean they're weak. It doesn't mean they lack confidence. In fact, it requires the exact opposite, requires a high degree of strength. So uh, by the way, and nothing we do was invented by anybody, whether it's Marshall Goldsmith, me or anybody else. I'll just go back in time with a somewhat old example at this point. At one point in time, there was a mayor in New York City. He did not sit in these beautiful office in in Manhattan and and, run New York from his desk. He got out and rode the subways. His name was Mayor Koch. He would get on the subway. He would talk to anybody. How am I doing? That's what he was known for. Well, guess what? Smart. The guy was a, was a very beloved mayor. You know, you get loyalty because people identify with you. People identify with people that have both courage and humility. And here's the hard part. You know, all this stuff is easy to understand, hard to do, right? Discipline. You know, in this case, the discipline to ask for help, listen, be thankful, you know, show gratitude, do a good job of thinking, reflecting on what you're doing, right? Get that communication channel back in the other direction. You've just asked for help. You've asked for feedback. You've asked for feed forward, getting back to people about what you're doing and what you want them to pay attention to. And then following up after you've started making your changes to see how you're doing. That's stakeholder-centered coaching. And see, what I love about it, it doesn't even matter what the leader is working on to improve is that they're doing, they're following a methodology of using the people around them as their guideposts and 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 for ideas on how to implement and 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 also getting the support from these people and the buy-in to them that I want to follow a leader like that. And see the thing is is what's nice about our system, we we're going to get paid, Catherine. I mean you do the same thing. We get paid because a leader improves, right? We, what we don't get paid for is, is the much better accomplishment, which is everyone around the leader improves. Yeah. You know, it opens up channels of communication. Other people say, hey, if, if this is good for my boss, maybe it's good for me. And so pe- everyone starts acting with more courage, humility, and discipline, and it's, it expands the whole system. That's what I love about it. It it does feed on, on you know, you well, in, in one example, I've got one leader that I've worked with and we've worked for about a, a little over a year together. And now we've brought in the team 
And she was doing phenomenal and just getting great feed forward and, you know, ways to make improvements. And she doesn't have to implement all of them. She chooses what she wants to implement and follows back up with her stakeholders. And as we brought in the team around her, she's now their sponsor as they're going through this. And their eyes are really just opening up and seeing, oh, this is what she's been doing. And now they get to be a part of the process and they're beginning to get the recognition from others. And um, it's rewarding that way, because as you keep learning, you keep training more people. And then it's not just a one and done type training. I mean, this well, is well, really well, just, Yes, just memory, Catherine, it's not just training people. Yeah, it's 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 giving them awareness of a methodology they can use and they implement. And that's what yes. you do so well. I mean, you're one of our master certified coaches, which you know, I think everyone who we certify wants to be a master certified coach. Actually, I wish a lot more would get there. I mean, you're one of the one of the overall few, I would say, and with extremely good track record. So it's not just training, it's implementing what they're doing. And see, what look at what you just described there. See, it's become a system change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, in, it's now embedded in into this organization. Of we're all in this together. We all need to get better. You know, we. We've got to, we have to have this sort of adaptability and resilience for everything that's going on around us in this world. And, and actually, you know, I look at leaders like Alan Mulally, and he loves it. I mean, he doesn't say, oh, my God, you know, all this change. I wish things would stabilize. No, it's all about a better plan, um, continuing the growth. Uh, he, he uses terms like love them up. Developing his developing everyone around him. I mean, he's a huge fan of stakeholder center coaching, and has implemented ever since way back in Boeing commercial when he met Marshall Goldsmith. It's carried him through all the. And by the way, it was after that that 9/11 happened, and and uh, and talk about an industry that was just going through turmoil. He, he joins Ford, and I don't know whether it was 2009 or whenever it was where they were losing $18 billion and had a stock price of $1.01. I mean, this guy wasn't running organizations were doing well. He had to do some major turnaround. He loved it. I have to, so I have a few questions that, you know, I want to hear some more about the, um, the fortune 100s and and the CEOs that have used this method. And then I also just want to be able to share, it's not just individuals, but teams. And even though you're going through a very huge, just hardships, whether it's 9-11 or even this COVID pandemic, we actually implemented a team for stakeholder center coaching at the beginning. Before COVID hit, so we implemented in January. COVID hit February, pretty much shut everything down. They're in, they're half their leadership team went away for one reason or another because just stuff happens, and it was totally right. unexpected. They're all young, healthy people, but stuff happens, and the CEO was able to sponsor this group of high potential folks and was easily able to put the right people back into the seats because they were going through stakeholder center coaching. And it was through a middle of a mess in the middle of COVID and people were working at home and nobody knew what was going to be happening next, but they still delivered results because they created the method. They implemented the methodology that we're talking about and they're still able to have these conversations and, and discussions as a result of, of that method and the process that we used. Um, so I love that. And I've, I would love to just kind of hear, you talked about Alan and um, there's a few other Fortune 100 uh, CEOs that have been through this. Can you talk 
about some of these these folks and and the companies that have used stakeholder center coaching because I think a lot of people are unaware that um, CEOs are having these these coaches that work with them and they may be unaware of the different industries and and the Fortune 100 companies that are using this. Well, um, yes. Well, first of all, I mean it's pretty simple. You know, Marshall's written a number of best-selling books, and he's going to having one coming out soon, which is going to be another, I think, blockbuster. And uh, his third best-selling book was called Triggers. There are 28 CEOs endorsed the book. So all you got to do is get a copy of that book, read down to the list of names. And and and, and these are just, and that, that's just for Marshall Goldsmith. I mean, Marshall's not the only one who's coaching it necessarily at that level. I'll give you uh, like just an example out of a very diverse industry. And, and that is the Mayo Clinic. Now, I, I don't want to say the Mayo Clinic is the best medical clinic in the world. Um, on the other hand, I would say it's certainly right up there at the top. The, at the time, the CEO of Mayo Clinic was a guy named John Noseworthy. You know, he used Marshall as a coach. And, and, and like I say, these aren't people that are struggling to make a name for themselves. These are people that are at the top of their of their profession and their industry. And I know personally, because I also have done some coaching at a, at a senior level there, that if I tell you, I get sick, there's only one place I'm going. That's the Mayo yeah. Clinic. Because they take all this stuff seriously and everyone is working to get better as a team. It's important. It's not just the leader, but it's also the team. So as we start to kind of wind this down, I would love to just kind of throw a different question out there, not necessarily about stakeholder center coaching. It is more about balancing, you know, work and life and making sure that you have time to take a step back and not get burned out with everything that's going on. Um, I think it's important to take a step back and unplug and just to be able to reflect. And I think you have some hobbies that uh, allow you to do that. I just would love to hear your thoughts because I know there's people that are listening that are working long hours and forgot that maybe it's time to take a break just because they, they need to unplug more, more than they even realize. So do you mind sharing on that? Sure. Well, what's interesting is, is our methodology, see, one thing I love about whether it was back in the day when I was just doing leadership training and turning into a leadership coach is it's really nice that you're helping other people both think through and implement good leadership, it's always because a little thing in the back of your head goes, I think this is good for me too. So, you know, one of the things we do is see, we have people, leaders are picking a goal to be a better collaborator, to be a better facilitator, you know, whatever it happens to be that they're working on to get better. and, and, And then they put together an action plan. And the action plan is built upon suggestions or feed forward from the people around them once they've picked their goal. And, and so then they have a concrete set of actions that are going to make that goal real, which the stakeholders are aware of and pay attention to. And that's what they're giving both feedback and feed forward to the, to the leader over you know, on a continual discipline basis on how they're doing. Well, guess what? This, this is also useful in your life. So, I mean, we're all bombarded with too much to do you know, too many challenges, not enough time, not enough energy, right? So we start working on a deficit. Well, the way around that is to use these same principles. So I'll just use myself as an example. I, one of the things we, when we, we, people build an action plan, a leader I'm coaching builds an action plan. You do the same thing, Catherine, is, is there is a suggestion to them that they turn into a daily checklist. So, you know, this is to keep yourself 
responsible and accountable for your own actions. Don't let the world control you. You control your world. So like I have five things I ask myself every day. Now, guess what? Today's already started. When do I do this? Pretty much first thing in the morning. So, you know, the, what are the things I have to, for, the first thing I ask myself is, do I do, what, will I do what's required to maintain my total health? And my total health is defined by the work of the Human Performance Institute that I first read about in an article written in the Harvard Business Review called The Making of the Corporate Athlete. They were dealing with, with, with the top athletes in the world, and they talk about a pyramid of energy. And, it's, and the whole thing about managing your energy and building your potential energy, that you start with your physical energy, then it goes up to your emotional energy, then your, your mental energy, and interesting enough, your spiritual energy. I'm not talking about religion, but spiritual energy. So when I say my, my morning ritual is I'm going to do what's required to maintain my total health, that's those four things. So that's my first question. Am I going to do what's required? Second question, will I choose to be happy today? Not am I going to be happy today, but will I choose it? I'll actually consciously make the choice. You know, in the old days at the airport, your plane's delayed, right? I can choose to be unhappy about that. Sometimes I don't necessarily think I'm choosing, but I am. I see all these miserable people waiting around to get on their planes. You know, I choose to have fun, right? Choose to be happy, right? Third thing I, I choose is, is uh, do I do my best to uphold the dignity of every person I meet? Hmm, where did I think I got that one from? Maryland just in humility. Fourth question, right, is did I do, an, will I do enough to make a positive difference today, right? My why, you know, if you take Simon Sinek's work, my why is to contribute to the success of others. So guess what? That's important to me. So as long as I, for instance, Catherine, if I, if this is contributing to your success today, I can check the box, right? And then, and then my final one is, is will I, will I do my best to avoid regrets, and, and the thing is, is it, from the research of people on their deathbeds, the, the worst thing that can happen is dying with regrets. So I'm not going to wait till then to decide whether I got it or not. So that's my thing. That's how I keep balance in my life. I ask that question at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, I ask myself how I did. And, you know, am I perfect? No. But that's a little, you know, that's the thing you can do. Is you've got to come to a sense of what your purpose is, what's important to you, create a daily checklist, and hold yourself accountable. So I, I think I have, we're about out of time, aren't we, Catherine? We are. We are. We're closing out. Definitely take a checklist, Frank. Thank you. Or, or check off the box. You definitely helped me out. I appreciate you being here. If anybody would like to learn more, um, what do you? What advice do you have for them? I would say if they're watching your blog or post here, <laughs> Catherine is right up there at the top. Call her. Anything I've said, she can help you with. So you all have a great day. Thank you, Frank. Frank Wagner, you are the co-founder of Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Center Coaching. Thank you so much for joining us. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. 
You can find us more at katherineganty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Ganty. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you.